First Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. My name is Josh Kim. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at Christ Central, and we're so glad that you can join us this morning uh, for worshiping our God together. Uh, Before I begin, um, I just want to thank many of you that were able to make it to uh, my installation service. I know I announced it last week. It was kind of weird that I was asking you to come and celebrate me, but I'm glad that many of you came out, and we're really um, thankful to be part of this church, and thank you for many of you that um, has welcomed our family into this um, amazing community we have at Christ Central. Um, And if you're a guest with us today, uh, as I like to say, I'm with you. I'm, I'm really new to the church, too. So I'm, I'm getting used to the church. I'm learning people's names. I'm learning the church. So we're, we're glad that you're here. Please do uh, stop by a welcome table and meet me, the newcomer, as well. And we'll be new together to the church. And we'd love to get to know you as well. Um, if you're sitting here this morning, whether you're a guest or you missed last week, there's probably a couple of things that are going through your mind. First thought that probably going through your mind is, that guy's not Howard Brown. Like, what happened? I came to listen to Howard Brown speak, and another guy is up here. Um, as you know, our, as, as, if you're a guest, you probably don't know this yet, but our senior pastor is on, a, on his vacation as a family. And we as a church, we believe in giving proper rest, and especially to our leadership. That's why we wanted him to take this rest, to go away for a little bit, to recharge, to be refreshed, to come back and serve our church. So we really believe in giving proper rest to our senior pastor. It starts with our senior pastor. Amen? Amen. Um, And you're also probably wondering, um, as you're sitting here, you're wondering why aren't our children being being dismissed today, especially if you're guests with us. Within our church, in our fifth Sunday, today's our fifth Sunday of the month, we have our children sitting here with us through the entire worship. I know some of you are like, oh, that's that's crazy, right? We want them to be apart from us. Um, But we actually believe in Fifth Sunday, we we want them here. We actually really want them here um, because we value what it means to worship with our children. Our church believes in not only valuing them during vacation Bible school, yet we ought to focus on that. And throughout other weeks of our Sunday services, we do believe in them getting their age-appropriate 
teaching. So we do dismiss them, and we do have a teaching geared towards them with our volunteers. But on fifth Sunday, we gather with them to model for them what it means to worship our God together. I believe uh, our number one goal as a church is to disciple our children. And as a parent, our goal is to disciple them, and the best way to do that is to model for them. So parents, I know it's not easy. I have a young one too, and their attention span is about two minutes at a, at a time. I know it's not easy, but as I shared before, if you could follow, if you find Christ in the midst of the chaos, I think your children can really learn how to do that as they watch you. Um, if you're single, if you don't have children here, I know it's, it's not easy. This is not what you're used to. But when you took the membership vow as a church, uh, part of our goal is not only to say we want our children in a separate room, but we decided to raise our children together. That means if you're single, if you don't have children, that means we're going to raise these children together. And part of that is to worship with them, to, to model for them. As they watch you worship, what a great imitation model this will be. And that's what we believe as a church. Uh, children, I know you're here, and you're probably thinking, it's been like five minutes already, and he's not even talking about sermon yet. right? I know it's not easy, but the reason why we want you here is not because we want to torture you. I, I promise you that. We believe you, we want you to be here because we think this is good for you. We really believe that. All of us here, we really want you to be here. So I know it's not going to be a normal, I'm not going to be as entertaining as Daniel Tiger or whoever may be. I'll try my best, uh, but, and I'll try to engage with you, but we want to celebrate you. We are glad that you're here. We're glad that you have those things you could fill out. You're glad that you could color. We're glad that you could distract your parents. We're glad that we could be a family of Christ. Amen? Amen. Um, and I'll do my best to engage with all of you. All right, so please pray for me. Um, starting this week and for the next several weeks, Pastor Mara and I are starting a summer, summer, summer sermon series focusing on community. And not only are we going to preach on community, but we're going to change some aspects of what it means to be a church that will build community at Christ Central, and part of that will be seen through our welcome team. Part of that will be seen through our community groups, and part of that will be seen through our uh, CCC 101, our membership class. But as we think about what it means to build a community, we want to focus on the scripture text that teaches us what it means to build a community. And this morning, we want to start with thinking about belonging to this community, what it means for you to belong to the body of Christ, and I was told that belonging is a big word for our children here. So belonging means to be included in, to be a member of. It's almost like you belonging to a member of a family. And the question we'll tackle this morning is, what does that mean for you to belong, to be included in a community? And that's what we're going to tackle as we look at 1 Peter chapter 1. As I'm getting to know many of you here, as you're getting to know me, part of my story is that I'm a child of an immigrant. I immigrated to the States when I was 11, and I didn't even know ABCs by then. All, all the only phrases that I knew when I first landed in the States, two phrases my aunt taught me was, may I go to the bathroom, and can I go, to, can I go home? My aunt really wanted to make sure that I was able to go to the bathroom when I needed to, and then be able to come home when I needed to. So two phrases that I knew, I didn't even know the ABCs by then. And when I first went to school, I had no idea what was going on. And it was not an easy transition, to say the least. Not only was I learning the new culture at the time, new language, I felt like they were teaching cursive back in the days, and I thought we were drawing pictures. And only to realize it was a language class. Um, but only, not only so, I had to make new friends and to find a new community in this school. 
One of my biggest struggles my early years in elementary school was recess. I know, right? You're like, how can you struggle with that? Right? That's the most fun time. And all the children are probably thinking, like, when is recess now, right? Um, but if you think about it, as an immigrant child going to school, classrooms were actually easier for me because there was structure to that. There's an instructor. And you actually are assigned where you're supposed to go. And there are some things that you have to do along the class. But in recess time, as you know, that's why we love it, it's free for all. Imagine an immigrant child coming to a new school, not knowing the language, not knowing anything. During the recess time, I see all the kids running out of the classroom, and I'm wondering what is going on here, and wondering where do I belong in this wide sea of children running wild. Do I go wild with them? Do I play baseball? Do I play basketball? Where do I belong? And you know, I, what I actually did was, I don't know why I did this. I still don't know why I did this, but I decided to run around the bases by myself. Maybe I thought there was something that I could do for fun, something that maybe that would occupy my... I don't know what I was thinking, but I started running this bases thinking, okay, at least I'm doing something, right? It's recess time, so I gotta expend some energy as I see all the children running around. And all of a sudden, all these children started following after me, <laughs> running the bases. And all the cute girls in the class started following after me too. And you know, I was thinking, Josh, maybe, just maybe, your charm is cross-cultural. <laughs> just maybe, God has gifted you so much where you don't even have to speak the language and you're gonna attract all these girls to you. And I was so excited for some reason and I kept running the bases and this happened a day after day after day. And I would come home and tell my parents I had the greatest day. All these children started running after me. All the girls too. And my family celebrated saying, you're fitting in. You belong because they all love you. They all wanna run after you. And as I, as I got to know the school, got to know friends, got to know the language, I found out that uh, all these kids started running after me, not because it was a fun thing to do, but I was the only Asian-American kid in the entire school. So they had never seen an Asian-American kid in the entire school, so they thought I was interesting. They're like, he must be doing something. Is he going crazy? Is he losing his mind? Maybe we should do something about that. So I found out it was not my charm, in fact, it was because they were so interested in my life and thought this guy was so weird, they started running after me. And as I soon I learned, even as a child, as I learned that I did not really fit in well with this new setting that I was in, the question of, do I belong, continued to um, rack my heart. I continued to wrestle with this notion of, do I really belong here? Do I belong to this school? Do I belong to this group of friends, this community that I was going to? Church, I think the struggle to find belonging isn't only isolated to my immigrant childhood experience. It's not just the recess issue. Many of us, if not all, have asked that question at least once in our life. Some a lot more than others, of course, based on your background, perhaps. Perhaps you may even ask that right now at this time in this church, as you're sitting here surrounded by different people. Perhaps you're a guest with us and you're wondering, do I belong here? Can I belong here? Is this a community that I could be part of? Can I make friends here? Or sometimes you look around to see if there are people that look like us, 
that act like us, that talk like us. And we ask this question of, do I belong here today? As we begin our study in community, I want us to linger on this notion for a bit. What does that mean for us to belong to this body of Christ? What does that mean for you to belong to the body of Christ, not only the local church, but the universal church at large? And as we turn to Apostle Peter's letter to the church in Asia Minor, we get a glimpse of God's desire for the church, the ultimate community of God's people. And we'll see how it applies to all of us this morning. First thing that we see from this text is that you actually do not belong here. You do not belong here. You do not belong here was actually the first words I heard when I handed over my Cubs logo credit card in St. Louis. If you know anything about baseball, Chicago Cubs and St. Louis Cardinals do not get along at all. And I'm from Chicago, and I'm an avid Cubs fan, and I got a debit card with Cubs logo on it. Huge mistake, I know, in St. Louis when I was in seminary. And as a youth group, we went to Bush Stadium, and as a youth pastor, I said, okay, I'm going to get food for all of you. And I went to the concession stand, and I gave my Cubs card, only for them to say, you don't belong here. We don't take your card. What are you doing? And people started booing me at the concession stand, saying, boo, go home, go home, you do not belong here. And I proceeded to ask for a hot dog and french fries, and someone actually apologized, saying, I'm sorry you belong to the losing group all the time. In fact, they wanted to make sure that I knew that I did not belong in St. Louis. Apostle Peter, in the opening greetings of the letter that we read today, he writes and reminds the church in Asia Minor, which is present-day Turkey, that they do not belong there. In fact, they do not belong. Don't get too comfortable. The world that they were scattered to, exiled to live, is not a place where they belong. Let's pick it up in verse 1. It says, To those who are elect exiles to the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And this term exiles here, and in some Bibles, translated as strangers. In his original language, Greek, pilgrims, refugees, sojourners, or someone passing through for a short time is the very identity of the recipients of this letter. Peter reminds the church, you do not belong here. The question is, why are they scattered and why are they called strangers? One explanation of why they're scattered might be that Christians have faced persecution and were forced to flee from their hometown in Israel, Jerusalem. In fact, that's what we find in Acts chapter 8. The great persecution breaks out in Jerusalem, and many were forced to become pilgrims and refugees in other cities. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And some of you may wonder, oh, I get that. I get that they were scattered, they were persecuted. But for me, I am not, right? A lot of us chose to come to Charlotte, North Carolina to live here. I know we have a lot of out-of-towners, a lot of transplants, but you're probably thinking, I am not scattered to come here. You may feel like that at times, but you're not scattered to come here. So I can't relate to that. What does that mean for me? Well, 
I think the scripture is not only talking about physical scattering, but the scripture is speaking not only to just those who are physically pilgrims and refugees and strangers, but scripture also speaks about those who are spiritually feeling this alienation, feeling this otherness, this isolation as well. The scripture points out that living as Christ's follower in this world that is temporary at best, your core identity, part of who you are, is going to be that you're going to be a stranger in this land. You're going to be a pilgrim in this land. You're going to be a refugee in this land. This is a natural picture of Church of Christ. A church is a place where strangers gather together. It is a place where refugees gather together. It is a place where exiles come together to worship our God. It is a place where those who do not belong in this world gather each Sunday to worship our Creator. Think about that for a moment, church. Isn't that something? Think about that. How often do you go to another church to check out the church and look for a community like that, right? We often go to church and we want to be part of a church or community that's really nicely packaged. What kind of children's programs do you got, right? What time is worship service? What kind of songs do you sing? What kind of people go to your church? What's the racial makeup of the church? What's the socioeconomical dynamics of your church? We look for churches that are nicely packaged for us place where there's no danger. People that just seem to look like us, talk like us, share life just like us. And you know, at times we do need that. And I'm not saying those are not absolutely needed. We need that. But also, according to Peter, if you're looking just for that as a part of finding a community, then you're missing the point. You're absolutely missing the point. And guess what? Who designed the church to be like that? God did. That's what it says in verse 3. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, once again, blaming God for this, right? By God's power, I've been guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Why are the exiles scattered? Why are they strangers compared to those around them? Why are they persecuted? Because they're born again, which means God saved them and gave them a new life, new purpose in their life, they're Christ followers. And now because of that, they are going to be persecuted. They are going to be hated. They are going to be driven out from their homes because they stand out. They're different than the rest of the world. Misfits and outcasts in the society because now their core identity is that I am a Christ follower. They may not be born into this, but they're created for this. To be strangers, to be exiles, to be misfits. You may not be born into that, but you're created for that. And again, it may not only be physical, but a spiritual thing. God gave new hope and living hope in Christ 
And as we are being transformed into who we are meant to be, meaning the church is the gathering of the exiles, is a living evidence of the truth playing itself out. No wonder a church ought to be, a community ought to be, a place where all the strangers, all the misfits, exiles and refugees, whatever you want to say, who do not seem to belong, belongs. Do you feel that, church, when you come to worship? Is this a place where you look for fellow strugglers of faith? Do you come to worship realizing that, man, I had a long week. It was not easy for me. Do you look for others like that? That we struggle together in this. That we struggle to worship the Lord in this. We struggle to follow after Christ in all the mess that we're in. Do you look for that in the community you come to? Do you look for that in the community you belong to? God brings people into your lives, into the lives of your church, to your community. And in God's house, you do not get to pick who you want to belong to. That's a club. That's a YMCA. If you want that, join that. In the house of the Lord, God decides who gets to belong in this house of the Lord. And God seems to love all the strangers, all the refugees, all the pilgrims, all the misfits. Because through that, power of God is on display. That means our church ought to be a place where anyone who do not belong gathers. It should be a place where we are not defined by our self-interest, our comfort, our income level, but rather it's a place where all are welcomed by the transforming power of the gospel truth. You know, as I walk through the Bush Stadium in St. Louis, you would often see people with cups set once in a while. Minorities, right? Just a few of us. As we walk around, as we look at Cups logo, we just tip our heads and say, go Cups, go. And there's some bond that happens with us in the midst of all the cardinal red. A picture of a true community church is that you do not belong here based on your preference, but because God simply brought you here. And that's what we see in the second point, that you do not absolutely belong here, but you also absolutely belong here today. You absolutely belong here today. One of the shows my son loves watching, and I know a lot of children here, you love watching this too, is Daniel Tiger. Who loves that, right? Daniel Tiger. All right, I know Daniel, all, all the men here too, you like Daniel Tiger too. I love it. Um, I don't know why, but this so curly looking tiger, and he loves it. Um, actually, in an episode, and was, I really like Daniel Tiger, it's really good lessons too, right? It's uh, not only a fun TV show, but a lot of good lessons that come with it. In an episode that I watched recently that talked about friends, and I want my son to make friends. I don't want him to experience what I experienced. I don't want him to run around bases. So I want him to experience making friends, right? So we want to watch him these things. And one episode I was watching to make sure that he's watching the same thing. In this episode, and maybe spoiler for a lot of children here, I'm sorry if you didn't watch this. I blame your parents for not showing you this. But it's a class where Daniel, Prince Wednesday, if, okay, if you don't know what this is, I'm sorry. Right. You will one day, by God's grace, or if not, even if you don't have children, this is a great show. Like, I'll, I'll watch this. It's really educational. Some, sometimes I think we need to watch it to learn for ourselves. You know, anyway, okay. Uh, this class is where Daniel, Prince Wednesday, Miss Elena, and Christy are gathered talking about how different they are. What a great Bible illustration, right? Um, and 
Yes, one of them is a tiger. Of course, they're different, right? It's surprising that he doesn't eat them. But uh, I'm sorry, children, don't, okay. Uh, but in their conversation, they say, we like to pretend too. And they all look at each other and say, and then you know, Daniel Tiger always does this. All of a sudden, as they're talking to their friends, he looks at the camera and says, do you like to pretend too? And there's a pause for five seconds, right? Because the children have to respond. Anyway, okay, um, I know some of you are like, what are you talking about? But um, basically, the, the whole show was saying, because we all like to pretend too, we're the same. And the lesson that Daniel Tiger was showing that we're all different, but we are the same. And there's a song that goes, there's one person, and the person says, there's one person exactly like you, and that's you, right? And he says, some ways we're different. Okay, I'm totally butchering this song. I don't even know how the song goes. But basically, some way we're different, but in so many ways, we're the same. And that's how the lesson goes. And uh, the story ends. Okay, I know, bear with me. I'm trying to connect with our children here, right? Please bear with me here. Um, but I think there's a point to that. The, the Daniel Tiger and all of them were saying, we're different, but we're the same. Because we like to pretend we may be different, but there's something that unites us. Going back to verse 1, Peter also tells us another identity that brings us together. It says, to those who are elect exiles. Do you catch that? I, sometimes we breeze by this and we don't get it. But it says, to those who are elect exiles. The word elect here means chosen, distinguished, and set apart, which also means holy. To those who are holy, elect exiles. Peter, Apostle Peter here, is exhorting, reminding the scattered exiles of their status in Christ. That they are God's exiles, but they're also God's elect, God's chosen ones. God has set them apart on this course of redemption. And this is echoing of the teaching of the Old Testament where it is revealed that God is holy. And therefore, we ought to be holy. And how can you be holy like this? Here, Peter reminds us that we can be holy not because of our worthy conduct, not because of what we have done this past week, but because simply God chose you to be set apart. Hence, it is not only of their status, but of their goal and their empowerment to be holy. Not only of their status, but whom they're going to be and the power vested into them to become like that. That's why it says this has been all done, once again, according to God's foreknowledge in verse 2. And again, in subsequent verses, it is God who made this happen. God did it. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. It is God who has not only elected you, but gave your life to be included in this family of God. God knew exactly who are going to be in his family. He caused this to happen. And if you are a Christ follower this morning, this text reminds us that he simply chose you. A lot of us think that we wake up in the morning and we decide to come to church. We feel like, oh, I feel like going to church today, worshiping the Lord. I'm a good person. But the Bible tells us that's not how it is. You never choose to come here on your own. God enables you to come. You respond to God's calling in your life. And that's what we learn. And this is one of the, the, the 
pillars of our Reformed faith. And I believe in this Reformed theology, not because it's a Reformed theology, because I see in the scripture. It says God simply chose us to be in this place. Why did he do that? Because he simply loves you. We call this unconditional election. Not because of what you have done, but because he simply wanted to include you in the family of God. God simply set you apart. Hence, no matter where you are, what you have done, but if you, in fact you are in Christ, in the eyes of God, you're set apart and you're holy. Because he doesn't see your actions to be holy. But he sees his perfect Christ obedience that are imputed, given to you. That means, church, you are set free. And church is a place, a gathering of this elect. Set apart, holy, because God chose you. So often we live our life as those who are not in the family of God. We act like we don't belong to the community. And we put all these barriers upon ourselves and try to think, do I belong here because I don't look like them? I don't act like them. I don't sing like them. But the Bible tells us you belong to the body of Christ because simply God chose you. No matter who you are, no matter what your background may be, you could be free to be part of the community of God because he simply chose you. And these two words in the beginning of Peter's letter describe your status of a church, a community of God. That means church, you are holy, set apart. But on the other hand, church, you are strangers, exiles, misfits. You know what that means, church? That means elect exiles always go hand in hand. You ought to feel this tension in your heart when you come to church. Struggle to be holy. We ought to be a place where a community where sin is confronted and sin is pointed out. This ought to be a place where it be most uncomfortable place in the world because people will call out your sin and say, that's wrong according to how you're made to be. Be free, brothers and sisters in Christ. But also this place ought to be the most comfortable place in the world because not by your actions you belong here. You are forgiven in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it ought to be a place where it's the most uncomfortable place for you to be, but also it ought to be the most comfortable place where you ought to be. The community you're looking for this morning, community you belong to, must be a place that challenges your core identity of who you are. Isn't that true? If you're born again, if you're following Christ with all your life, if you're transformed by the gospel of Christ, your core identity at the core of yourself has to be transformed. And the scripture has to go deep into your heart so you'll be transformed by it, renewed daily to live for the Lord. A community ought to be a place where you'll be challenged at the core of who you are. Once again, church is not a place of preference. It's not a place where you pick and choose what you want. It's got to be a place where you feel this tension in your heart, a struggle to belong and struggle to be accepted, but also being fully embraced, fully loved, fully engaged, fully worshiping our God. 
And trust me, church, our church is not perfect. If you're a guest with us, you pick the wrong church to come to a perfect church. Um, our community is far from that. But the encouragement that I have for you this morning and for our members as well is to come. Let's struggle in this together. None of us has everything figured out, starting from our pastors, our elders, our leaders. We are all struggling to belong. We all struggle with the remnants of our sin. They entangle us every single day. We're confronted by our blind side all the time. But come join us. Let's wrestle in this together. Let's confront sin. And let's fight to love our God together. And that's what it means to build this church, a community of believers. And if you're wrestling and wondering, is this whole Christ business for real? Come. God is at work in making us more and more like him in our struggles. A side note is, I think a lot of times people really want to grow in their relationship with God, right? And I heard this many times as a pastor. Pastor, I grow so much when I'm singing, when I'm praising, when I'm doing all these great things for the Lord. Yes, you are growing. But you know, as we know from my children too, oftentimes we grow the most not only at the mountaintops to the valley of shadow of death, because in the most difficult moments of our lives, we realize Christ is the only thing we got. And in the community that only sings and praises, we're not going to learn that much. A community that wrestles what it means to rub shoulders with one another, to offend one another, to struggle with one another, is a place where you grow exponentially because Christ meant it for a church, to be a church of all people. Come, you belong, absolutely belong in this place to build this church. Final thing that we see, children, I know, third point, we're almost done, right? Hang in there. You belong at the foot of the cross. Ultimately, we belong to one another not only because you belong, God chose you because you belong, um, you also belong at the foot of the cross, and that's where it begins. You and I belong to the foot of the cross. Our belonging, our very definition of belonging starts at the foot of the cross. And what does that mean? That means two things. And first thing, you're not going to like that much because I don't like it either. Because first thing is, if there's a cross, there's going to be a suffering. Verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, then perishes through um, perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As I shared before, before we jump to any conclusion, I absolutely dislike suffering. Uh, you could ask my wife, I don't want to be hurt. I, I, one of the places I absolutely do not want to go in my life is dentist. Uh, they're like, open wide, wider, why? So you could torture me more. I don't want that, but you know, I absolutely do not like it. I don't want to be that. Who wants it anyways, right? Who wants suffering? It's suddenly it's not something that you long for, right? It's not something you long for, but church, get this. What Peter is saying is, suffering is not an exception, but the norm, right? If you're following Christ, you're going to walk through the path of suffering. Why? Because of the cross, right? The cross is not a nice ornament that we wear. As you know, in the first century, in the time the, the Bible was written, cross was electrocution chair. 
It's a way you uh, murdered, or actually you put the criminals to death. You know that now, as Peter is describing for us, if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to walk in the path of suffering. And for the initial audience of 1 Peter, it means serious persecution and even martyrdom at that. Their alienation of not belonging to the world did not only mean that, okay, I'm not going to belong to this community, I'm going to find something else. Okay, I don't like this church, I'm going to go to the church down the street. It's not that. For them, if they did not belong to their surrounding community at the time, it meant they may face persecution, they face death, possibly. This is not saying, hey, pick this, let's go out and be persecuted. That's not what they're saying. It's not saying pick the hard way for the sake of it. That's why you don't pray for suffering to happen, right? It will happen. Trust me, it will come. You don't, pray, you don't have to pray for that. But it's not just merely a tough path. It is a path that Christ went on. That means whether you are a community in First Peter's time or today in the Christ-centric church, if you're going to really follow Christ, you will walk this path of the cross. Suffering is known for those who follow Christ. And church, even as church at large, will go through hardships. You finding a community to stay in this community sometimes, to belong to this community is going to be hard. Not only externally in the world, as you stand for your faith in your jobs, in your work, in your school, in your families, in your stance, in your belief, but also internally, in your own hearts, in your own way of life, perhaps in all your own preferences, how you're raised, how you grew up, your background, your political, whatever may, preference you may be, you're going to be challenged to be in a community with others. That also means when you're in a community today, sins will also be exposed. You'll be confronted by your own sin, sins of those in the church, sins of those outside of the church. You know what that means? That doesn't mean that I give up, I'm going to go somewhere else, find something that's nice and easy. That's not what Peter's calling us to, isn't it? Peter says, yes, it's so hard. That's why you need Christ. It's so hard to stay in the community of Christ. That's why you absolutely need Christ to be in it. Because you're not in it for yourself. That's not a Christ follower. You're only in it for yourself. That's a selfish thing. That's not what the path of the cross is talking about. He actually said, I'm doing this for you and for the sake of the glory of God. That's the path you're saying. Not for me, but for others. Not for me, for the glory of God. That's why you absolutely need Christ in your life to belong to the community, to realize it's not about you, but about the church that God is building. But second thing is, it's not only a path of suffering, but it is also absolutely worth it for you to build this. Here in 1 Peter, as he talks about what it means to suffer for the sake of Christ, Peter says in verse 6, and this is really weird, right? He says, in this, like in what? In suffering. You greatly rejoice. Not only like, oh, wow, suffering, that's great. Oh, hoo-hoo. It's like, no, praise the Lord, suffering's coming, yay! Um, not, maybe not like that, but greatly rejoice, right? In this, not only suffering, but new life that's being born as you follow the path of the cross. On this one side, there's clear suffering and hardship that's going to come. 
But also on the other side, you see the glory of God being displayed of the church of the cross. The end picture of the church is not only suffering. The end picture of a church, a community of God, is the glory of God. And isn't that what Jesus models for us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, Hebrew writer says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice that joy is there even in the midst of suffering, as excruciating as the cross was, because of joy of what God was doing, mainly to serve God's people for his glory. He endured the cross for the glory of God, and that's the path that we're called to follow. And how are we to confirm in this glory? Because if you have Christ, you are set apart. You are elect strangers. That means you have this indwelling presence of Christ in you. The Spirit of God dwells in the elect strangers. That's why in verse 8 and 9 it says, Though you have not seen him, church, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. It's not that you just endure because you're such a good person, but that you're filled with his joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Because of that, you can endure. You can stay in it. You can struggle to belong and worship and learn and to be picturing this gospel together because that is going to tell the world that this Christ is for real. As we learn what it means to belong, despite our differences, our struggles, as we learn to love one another in the body of Christ, that is the greatest testimony we're going to preach the world out there. One of the things I loved being part of this church, um, when I first came on, I shared with the session of the church, um, I want to I learn what it means to be celebrated. As an Asian American man, oftentimes I was always othered by a lot of people. They would say, where are you from? I'm like, Chicago? All right, where are you from? Uh, suburbs of Chicago? I'm like, no, where are you from? Like, Buffalo Grove? Like, my hometown? Like, no, where are you really, really from? Like, my backyard? I'm like, what are you talking about? Want to come? Like, you know, you know what it means, right? They, they go through this whole process of your, your belonging, where you're from, and they're like, you're other. You're Asians. I'm like, no, I'm an Asian-American, man. Look it up. The difference between Asian and Asian-American. Anyway, I told the session, I'm like, man, I want to celebrate. I want to be celebrated. I don't want to be othered. I want to be different. I, I don't want you to see me as a different person. I want you to celebrate who I am. I was made in the image of God. And I want to see that happen in this church. And they're like, yes. We do that. We want that. And you know, I see glimpses of that. Um, one of the things I was just so amazed and so grateful for, I was sitting right here, and two brothers of our church came up and talked about VVS, right? It was awesome. I don't know about you, but I've never seen anything like that, where they come and intentionally tell you what's wrong with the curriculum, right? But saying, like, we are going to teach you well. And they talked about it, and I loved it, and I was thinking, awesome. Right? I love this church. How can I be more of this? I want this. This is exactly what I want to be part of. And I don't know why. And I, this is confession time. Um, after church, I was really excited about VVS. I was helping out. And in the moment of perhaps, and I was perhaps thinking that I'm going to make a small talk, connect with people, trying to get to know people. And I asked, and I asked Matt for this 
permission to share this, and he said yes, and grateful for that. I asked, asked Matt, basically said, hey, Matt, I'm so glad that you did this at the VVS talk. Can I ask you a question? And he said, what? He's like, did you make your name up? And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I saw the look on Matt's face that made me realize, what have I done? Not only so, I saw this piercing gaze coming out of the corner of my eyes of my wife saying, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> and I don't know why I said it, why it came out. And immediately I knew it was wrong, but it's still coming, you know, one of those things is coming out, you can't stop it. Like, I don't like, oh, why, Lord? Why'd you make me like this? You know? And I said this, and you know, I could see in Matt's face expression so familiar, because I have that face. So oftentimes people will ask me my middle name, my Korean name, and they'll try to pronounce it, and I'm like, you're butchering it, don't do it. Please don't do it. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, what does it have to have a meaning or anything? And I always struggle with pronouncing my middle name or Korean name, being identified by that, saying, where are you from with that? And here I am asking Matt, brother in Christ, exact same question. And graciously, he responded, and I apologize. And I told him, hey, brother, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But you know, it doesn't matter if you don't mean to. There's murder and um, what is the other thing I, I wrote down here? Um, something about, oh, okay, I'm, I'm totally butchering this. It's, uh, no, murder and uh, involuntary manslaughter, right? Murder and involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, the, the motive may be different, but the result is the same. The effect is the same. So I told them I don't mean to, but that doesn't make it better. Just because I didn't mean to doesn't mean that you're right. It means you ought to repent. I apologize, and I say, I'm sorry, brother, for the ways I've said it. And in his grace, he responded, saying, we all do it. We all do it. The goal is for us to come, repent, and share. And I appreciated his heart. And I went back home as my wife was telling me, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> Don't you hate that? You struggle with us all the time. Why do you do this? And I was repenting. Yes, I was repenting and repenting, repenting. But you know the biggest thing that was eating away my heart? It's not that I actually said it. You know what was the most difficult thing I dealt with that night? It's the fact that I thought I could never do that. Because I'm an Asian-American man here. I'm not black. I'm not white, right? And I, I've been considered to be other by so many people. I came to this church because I want to be celebrated. I'm a pastor here. I want to be the one to teach you not to do that. And I thought I was much better than that. And I realized at that moment, I am not better than anybody else. I am in just as much need of grace as anybody else. And I thought I was better. Sin of pride. And God did a number on me that night, saying, what the heck is wrong with you? You are a sinner saved by God's grace. You do not belong, but you only belong because I chose you. Or as Paul would say, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Church, it's not a silly story for me. It was a life-changing moment that made me realize I needed God's grace daily. Even the areas that I thought I could teach others, 
I needed to be taught first. A place where I thought I'm here to expose your sin, in turn expose my own sin deep within. I often neglected my own sin of racism right in my heart, deeply rooted in me, that I need to uproot from the bottom of it by confessing, receiving forgiveness, being surrounded by community that will challenge it. And this is hope for us. 1 Timothy 1.16, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the form of Jesus Christ might be displayed in his perfect patience, an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, I belong here. I belong in this place because this is a place where it challenges me to grow. It is a place where my sin will be exposed brothers and sisters who invite me to deal with tough stuff. And if you're in Christ Central, if you're doing the right job, we hope to build that here. And I need you to show me my sin. You need me to show you your sin. Ultimately, we need one another to see grace of God displayed despite our failures and struggles. Let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer. We acknowledge that at times we think we got it all. Though we often say, Lord, we need you. We sing about your grace. We ask for forgiveness again and again. But at times, we're deep within our hearts. We don't deal with the difficult stuff. And without others here that are also following with Christ, sometimes, Lord, we, we're blind to our own sin. And as we think about community, what it means to belong, honestly, Lord, we think about what does that mean for me and my place in the community, not what this community is all about. As we wrestle with what that means, Lord, we come asking for your forgiveness as we wrestle with what it means to belong to one another in the body of Christ. Strengthen your people, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.